just pretend that it's the uh, the intro. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're going to go to part two now. Yeah. Part two of our award show. Don't you recognise the theme tune when you hear it? <laughs> Write the theme tune, sing the theme tune. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, part two, sorry. Yeah, get into part two. Well, we've got in the background, like good leftists, we've got Al Jazeera in the background. Just, I just love looking at North Korean dignitaries with their amazing pins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, sorry. Crap. Anyway, <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to listen to us watching Al Jazeera in silence. <laughs> Look, you get what you pay for, right? Yeah, I'm, um. I'm rebranding as a deformed worker state supporter. <laughs> Last year, I was very much of the Posadist left. Yeah, now I'm... Year. Maybe, maybe we part, take that as part of our 2018 res- resolutions. What <laughs> tiny, tiny fragment of leftist thought are we going to shoehorn ourselves into? That's just better Spartacist. <laughs> I just want to hang out with a Spartacist. Although... I think you mean is, hang out with the Spartacist. It is my... Um, yeah, it's my, my friend who is... has been in left groups for a very long time, been around a lot of them, just says that Spartacists are just unbearable. <laughs> like, really unbearable. And he met you had Harry. <laughs> But yeah, so, um, yeah, so what's the first award? Our next well, award. Fourth award. Well, first award. You've broken continuity. Mm. <laughs> um, next award, the Eat the Book Award for Most Wrong About Corbyn. <laughs> named after, of course, the... Uh, where is he? The man who ate the book. The man who ate the book. Um, <laughs> forgot his name. I forgot because his name. Because I took it off his list. Of his because he couldn't be... get nominated for an award he was named after. <laughs> Those yeah, are the that's... rules. <laughs> um yeah, the first one, the New Statesman. Yeah, as a group, as a as a magazine, as a tendency, whatever you want, yep. all of them, all the time. The militant tendency of this, the New Statesman. The militant tendency of the centrists. Yeah, um, yeah. They was it. They had that um, the front cover for the election day. Their front cover for the election day. Um, there, uh, it was a meteor going towards a load of dinosaurs with McDonnell and Corbyn. Mm. Was there a racist caricature of Diane Abbott? I there probably cannot was. remember if there was, but there probably was. Um, and they like just everything they had. They had a oh, yeah. they had like um whole episode like whole issues mm. just dedicated to completely trashing Corbyn. And you know what? It's fine. It's fine if you want to have that magazine, mm. but kind of. Positing yourself as like on the centre left yeah. and unable to re- to objectively recognise what Corbyn is, which yeah. is like maybe a bit left of the centre left, yeah. is just unforgivable, mm. just inexcusable stupidity. Um, I mean, you had like Sam Moore, uh, why Jeremy Corbyn's Labour isn't left wing enough, critiquing mm. like their universal benefits thing. What you're so known about the uh, the university tuition fees, yeah. how all of Corbyn's Policies would only benefit the rich, yep. as opposed to the Tories' policies, which would actually only benefit the rich. Yeah. And not being able to recognise that maybe Corbyn's reforms weren't just going to do that, and even if they did, they would benefit everybody else as well. Yeah. What's that thing? What it's, else are you voting how for? How often if you're not do these people that? not understand that universal benefits are better than means-tested benefits because universal benefits are harder to take away? Mm-hmm. It's harder to take away. So, like, look at. Um, fucking winter fuel allowance. Yeah, like look at pensions. My dad Fuck does it. not need his winter fuel allowance. You will pry that out of his cold dead hands mm. every year. He gives it to, oh, he gives it to some charity. I can't remember which one. He doesn't need it. Yeah, but he will be livid if they ever take it away from him. It's harder to take away something that's like a fundamental piece of your identity as a citizen mm. than something a, a benefit that you might be granted if you're part of that particular. If you're thing. seen as a failure. Yeah, yeah. But also like the the kind of positioning they took with Corbyn, which was like they pub they went as far. They didn't go as far as to say, um, hold your nose and vote. There were so many articles that just came out and said, mm. I cannot vote for Jeremy yeah. Corbyn. Which again is fine, mm. but how many years have they taken telling the left to hold their nose and vote for whatever warmongering fucking yeah. barely centre-left, usually centre-right politician. Mm. Vote for him because the Tories' candidate is worse. Yeah, complaining constantly about um, low voter turnout and then when there's a higher voter turnout, being angry because they voted for the wrong person. Yeah, or angry angry that 
there are more people voting. Mm. I mean, again, say what you want about the Brexit referendum, but that came out a certain way. Yeah. And all of the, it, it's the trashing of everything that they say they believe in. Like, we know that they, like, you know, you can tell their bad faith in mm. a lot of their articles. You can tell that they're paying the usual lip service to mm. democracy and and a, a progressive bent, whatever, mm. whatever you might, they might like to say they ascribe to. But like, it just came out this year so much more obviously that they're, they are just there to exist. They're yeah. just there to write. They're not there to advocate for anything. They're no. not there to support anything. They're too used to, almost too used to like having that contrarian mm. take. And usually it would be the Tories that would be in their line of fire. But as soon as they, as soon as something came along that like was should be up their alley, yeah, they should. They are social, it's, but they actually, are supposed that, to be social it's democrats. The thing that drove me the most insane of um Jeremy, of um James O'Brien since Jeremy Corbyn's become leader. It's like, you've literally been saying this is what you wanted for ages. Yeah. But um, there's, it's that weird thing, like with the Brexit vote, that in general, it's kind of probably better for voter turnout that it went the way it did. Yeah. Because then it mobilised an awful lot of people to see what happens if it goes wrong. I mean, to be honest, they have continued their thing of, oh, well, Brexit voters are just stupid, hmm. or they're ignorant, or hmm. something like that. And it's like... I think there is a significant element, like there's a lot of like fake news or whatever you want, mm. want to call it around it, but there's always been myth-making and mm. like not entirely accurate kind of received opinion among If you wanted to vote for a Labour vote, Liberal or Labour, that wasn't yeah. literally true. Yeah. But like... The it would have been hilarious. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't... Maybe I, maybe I just want something that doesn't exist, but maybe something that explores exactly why people are so susceptible in an age of mass media, the massest mm. of medias. This isn't even fucking Chomsky who was writing in the, like, 70s and 80s about mm. the manufacturing of consent within mm. media. Um, they must have all fucking read that. And now it's even more because mm. you have every news feed, every social media feed, like, blasting at you all the time. Mm. So the effect must be something different. And I kind of thought like if you disagree with a decision and you think everyone's been duped like you don't go in they don't go any deeper into why that is maybe yeah. i want a different magazine yeah maybe i want a different let me tell you about tacky publication. Bag. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i hear gavin mckinnis has some very interesting opinions about black on black crime um yeah like uh sarah Ditton, who uh, i didn't put oh. into the worst hack um thing oh. mainly because i'm super fucking scared of her um, um yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's oh. like it's not. She wrote it's not just that Corbyn is unpopular. It's not even that he's incompetent. It's that he's unconscionable in the most serious possible way. It is morally intolerable, <laughs> like morally intolerable, to imagine Corbyn as prime minister. What is is he? Oh. Corbyn, who has led the way in smirking denial of anti-Semitism within Labour, even while one of the greatest threats to the nation and the continent is the creep of the far right. So what? Right. Okay. So you don't think Corbyn can beat the far right? You think it's actually going to energize the far right for some fucking reason? You mm. just plucked out your ass. What is? Why do you think the far right is advancing? What are the mechanics mm. in a Western society of why the far right rises at certain times and seems more subdued at others? Where's your fucking expertise, other than a just a blatant and mystifying hatred of a moderate social democrat? Mm. That's the thing with um, all the hatred of Corbyn. It's like. Like, our issues with him hmm. stem from the fact that he's not left enough. Yeah. But, and he isn't. He's like, the... I, I'm, he, I am fully on board with the oh, Corbyn yeah. thing because he is literally the best thing that we have. That's why, the, that's why like, people generally, the best way of phrasing it is the Corbyn project. Hmm. Because it's not just about him. It's not just about winning parliamentary power. It's opening a space to discuss, like, socialist hmm. ideas and... Alternative ideas and progressive mm. ideas. Yeah. Again, where it's been so shut out of like the, the mainstream media, mm. you know? Um, and I mean, they're, they're kind of disingenuous as well because they kind of got all of their, a lot of their journalists got on board with the, I don't understand what is neoliberalism. Yeah. Oh, you can't go and talk about hegemony to voters because they don't understand what hegemony is. And it's like, Such fucking... Sneering, like, patronising. It's like, you are literally the liberal elite. You are being the stereotypes that conservatives have attacked you for for years by saying, hegemony, oh, I won't understand it. They literally know what hegemony means. They mm. use it in their articles. Yeah. 
and their absolute like unwillingness to stoop to believing that maybe somebody doesn't know what these words mean yeah. or these concepts are but actually it's kind of their duty as journalists to explain that mm. But they don't see themselves like that. They see themselves as talking to a very specific group that, by the way, is shrinking all the time, no mm. matter what Remainers say. Mm. is shrinking all the time because the middle class in this country is, is being eroded. Yeah. And that's like part of the well, mechanics of ne- the inevitabilities of neoliberalism. Mm. The, the proletariat and the precariat especially is going to be expanded because yeah. that's how this neoliberalism is that's working. That's the only way it can work. And just there their absolute unwillingness to, to meet Corbyn even halfway mm. was astounding. Oh, it's the concept. They've, they've already started it already. Um, oh, they've the started back up. Yeah. With the he needs to be he needs to welcome back the Blairite right. Mm. They're sensible, smart people. Then I might be able to vote for him. And it's like no, you won't. You'll do what you did last time. You fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Sarah Ditton's also. A, um, she's another dirtbag turf. Uh, she around. is. She, she is hangs a, around with the worst of. She them. She is a much more significantly open uh, transphobe. She has, I think she might be one of the ones that it's even got in her Twitter bio, Murph. Male exclusatory radical feminist. Oh, fuck off. Exactly. Jesus Christ. So who's next on the list? Uh, next on the list. Hey, Tony Blair. <laughs> it's the double act. Yeah. The he's, new statesman and Tony Blair. Yeah, he's definitely very wrong. Um, um, refused to endorse Corbyn prior to the election, said that Labour was not providing a competitive opposition that was a threat to the Tories, and had and accused Corbyn of reducing the party to a fringe protest movement, saying that the debilitation of Labour, but of the Labour Party, is the facilitator of Brexit. I hate to say it, but it's true. I don't hate what to this, say yeah, I know. I don't think he's ever hated anything he's had to say. No. Um, what this means, he continued. What this means is that we have to build a movement which stretches across party lines and devise new ways of communication. Now, he is still an active member of the Labour Party. Yeah. And last time I checked, you weren't allowed to do that. No, he should have. They should. That's the thing. Like, one of the issues. He should have been kicked out of fucking yeah. Like again, What's there to lose? There's, but there, with him, there's an aesthetic opposition. As well as a political mm. opposition to Corbyn, there's an aesthetic opposition because he is Corbyn is everything that Blair tried to get out of the Labour Party in order to turn it into a essentially a modern neoliberal a modern liberal party and a neoliberal party. Yeah, definitely. Like he wanted to be that kind of Macrony shiny tech party and he still views Jeremy Corbyn in the kind of old fuddy-duddy mm. dinosaur range which doesn't really get emphasized now but he was very very anti them. Mm. When he was purging, oh, he was when he was brutal. purging the Labour yeah, Party he, and engineering the Labour Party, he tried party. a number of times to get rid of those ones. About of get rid of specifically Corbyn, McDonnell, yeah, um, Figgy, Livingston, Abbott, yeah, all of them, yeah. Um, and like it's so disingenuous as well. Like the 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 Blair outright to they talk about being purged out of the party, and it's yeah. like, oh well, Tony Blair never purged Jeremy Corbyn. And it's like failed though. He tried to and yeah. failed. And there are a number of left wing alternate like alternative and could have been parliamentary uh, candidates mm. that were voted out and manoeuvred out mm. from running for being the Labour candidate for MP in certain constituencies. Oh yeah, he, the, the, a lot of the work that's being done by Momentum now is to fix the NEC. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as this category goes for underestimating Corbyn. Mm. How much? How? Because I, um, I, I think, think there's a distance. I think he knew exactly how. I think he. Did, I, feel I think like, he thought that Gorbin was going to do quite well, mm. but um, he was doing all he could to stop it. He thought he was. Go- he was, he um, thought he was going to win or do well, but not in the right way. Yeah, he thought he was going. He didn't underestimate him, but he just wanted to be a wrecker. Yeah. Gusano. <laughs> Gusano. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, Ian Dunt. Oh, um, I only... He's really, to be honest, he's a segue candidate between Tony Blair and my next one, <laughs> which is, uh, he tweeted, criticise Blair all you want. Most of it is true, but at least follow up with an answer to this question. If not him, then who? Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> um, John McDonald. Answer immediately clear to me. <laughs> Needs to be J.K. Rowling. <laughs> She's loved enough for people to listen and forever thoughtful. So Ian Dunt thought that J.K. Rowling... The who I'm going to go into in a minute mm. was a better candidate well, for a different party, surely, yeah. right? Because she's not. Well, she was a member of the Labour Party, but I think she left. 
I believe she she left. Yeah, I think she was one of those ones that publicly left, not in as in as great a way as that guy who cut up his membership card in the second hand card dealership. Oh, I forgot about recording on his phone. God damn! Oh, he's not really prominent, so no, I didn't want to include him on any of these things. <laughs> he's just a, a he was just an idiot, but yeah. like he was so funny. Dunty, he used to put forward the case for a left wing a left wing case for Brexit. Yeah, and then Brexit happened, and then he's like, "Now I think he's got a book coming out of like why Brexit's not worth thinking ever because he's lived, he doesn't believe in anything." He was actually, I, I think there was something else I haven't written it here, but there was he was one of the early people to even before the manifesto to say, "Huh, I think there might be something to this Corbyn fella." Because he noticed how many people because were joining the because he noticed the enthusiasm that he hadn't seen in British politics. That he's never felt himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't think he hangs on this list, mm. but I mainly use him as a segue to number four, J.K. Rowling yeah, for underestimating Corbyn. Yeah, J.K. Rowling. Um, we should do an entire episode on her. I'd like to I do an really episode with um, um, Bring My Daughter on. Yes, because yeah. I was too late for Harry Potter. Like Harry Potter passed me by. Um, I was not for, read read for all of reading it. Um, I've not read all of them. Hmm. Um, I have. Um, yeah. I understand they're quite popular. They're all right. Um, the, but the main thing is, um, they're the reason why um, why my daughter reads as much as she does. The reason why she's so good at English is that's the, the books that got her into reading. For a long time, J.K. Rowling was like the standard bearer for celebs, like progressive celebs. Yeah, she was she considered... like boasted about how she would boast. Well, her she paid her taxes. Her, part well, part of her story was the kind of Blairite wet dream mm. that, for a while, took the place of like was the progressive politics like ideal situation she was uh, a poor single mother um worked her way up like worked mm. really hard and through tried her sheer imaginings through her sheer imaginings and also she was a writer which appeals to the the kind of tastemakers of yeah. those kind of like political mm. ideas mm. the meritocracy things like that Definitely. they love that because they are writers or frustrated writers themselves yeah. and so when somebody uh like who's poor becomes rich by writing it kind of validates mm. validates them to a certain extent but like this year she has gone off the fucking deep end she has she has been she hates in a corbyn. way she doesn't need to she really hates corbyn um yeah, yeah. this last year my daughter has started uh, my daughter hates her <laughs> like despises her mm. um and i imagine there's probably quite a few kids that are my daughter's age who have had that yeah moment happen of this this woman who taught them to love reading yeah and was such an important part of their growing up mm. doesn't want them to have free education that's like one of the things that like Lily's like so she doesn't she wants she, did they she wants did, me to be in debt I mean is she one of those I don't I didn't pay attention to her like politics other than her like um, rags to riches story mm. kind of thing the myth mm. Um, the myth making around her, I should say, the myth she did kind of do that. But um, did she ever advocate any like left political positions? She's like soft free left. Ed, free education. She, she never advocated like, for anything. She was just soft left, pro EU, um, like thingy, pro comfortably, um, like Eddie Izzard, comfortably that kind of, social democrat. Yeah, it like, would be nice if we did these social democrat yeah. things, but we can't because nobody will vote for them and they're all idiots. That yeah, kind of thing, that yeah. kind of bullshit. Um, I, I'm nice and I'm kind and I've got a friend who's black, but yeah, we should go to war in Iraq. Yeah. That's that's my little limerick for the Labour Party. Because, <laughs> um, like, she was on fire during the election campaign. I mean, she, she tweeted that Labour was surely finished for a generation. Yep. She mocked Corbyn for sitting on the floor of a passenger train with passengers without seats. The one that um that was proven that actually he was right and that Virgin... It was months after, wasn't it? Yeah, the Virgin had put out fake stuff. Such a weird thing this year. Mm. That might we've got another category for that later, maybe. That was but. really weird. But um she she also did these um, things of like he's not Dumbledore. And it and she always oh, it's one yeah. of the things that she does is she uses her imaginary friends that she's created as justification for her arguments to mm. prove that she's right. And that's so fucking weird. It's so weird. It is stupid. I don't get it. Like uh, I mean other things she did like she charged that Corbyn only helps Tories. She linked to a story about Corbyn making paid appearances on an Iranian news station while saying Corbyn is not Dumbledore. Mm. Well, he did go on press TV. He did go on press TV. But like, you know what's worse than going on press TV? The Iraq War. Yeah. 
arguing that we may be facing the destruction of Labour as a viable political party because of empty sloganeering, and tweeting that if Labour is decimated, Corbyn and his comrades will be delighted. Yeah, that's all they want. I don't... I don't understand how... I mean, I can totally understand she's a billionaire and lives in a massive Scottish castle. How she's so... She has no, numerous houses. Numerous yeah. gigantic houses. Yeah. I, like, the vitriol mm. behind it has to come from somewhere. Now, I know the argument is that he would put up her taxes. Actually, I don't think she cares She's about so that. rich that taxes wouldn't affect her, so it doesn't, it doesn't ring true to me that that's, mm. like, why she's quite so fucking vicious. Yeah. Is it just the EU? The EU is like a liberal kind of utopia paradise. Yeah. She likes the idea of that tr- and, like trans-European cooperation also, so much. Well, the thing is, I know I like make jokes about you know a lot of people are super pro EU because they mm. just don't like the cues at um, passport control. But for her, that is literally all it will affect because rising food prices is that kind of factor. Bullshit, will it? Mm. It will affect her queuing to go to. Like wherever she was, but they like no, but they like the idea of the EU because they have they have like I can definitely see like they've a lot of liberals have held out the possibility of the EU as like a moderating influence because you go to Europe and there's still a fair amount of social housing, there's still a lot of social democracy in action. It's ailing. Mm. It's like on its on its ass, especially in France. There's also statues being built to um to commemorate Nazis. (laughs) Um, but I think they think that. Europe is the only they need some big daddy mm. to kind of because they can make fun of Americans and mm. they can make they can look in horror at America as yeah. long as they can look in kind of as part of Europe that we're not them mm. and I think like Britain has always had that kind of position but since mm. the war has had that position in between the EU and yeah. and America that it hasn't really adapted to properly and it's like our our like work culture our labor laws our, our like general culture is so dominated by America that I think they're like in denial because mm. th- it's I mean it is a middle class like marker of taste that you like European stuff better mm. than you like American stuff you mock McDonald's while you really like like brie and baguettes and mm. all that kind of stuff you know um, you go fucking wet your knickers over brioche yeah um, brioche. and I think maybe maybe that's like how, why they're so vitriolic about it because mm. It's a the death of an idea. It's the yeah, death the, of it's the death of their um emperor. Like the emperor has no clothes. Yeah, the Brexit vote properly showed them that this that Britain isn't the happy like European country that they'd always hoped that it would be. And also, if they're locked off from the continent, they've got to actually face what's happening in Britain. Mm. They've got to face the attitudes, and they've got to face the people that they as somewhat either the ruling class or adjacent to the ruling class have allowed to come mm. into being the also, kind of attitudes. JK Rowling is one of those people who um, she was massively against Scottish independence she loves the status quo so much yeah she was hugely against Scottish independence hmm. that's an it's an odd one I mean like I say I think it's I think it's probably correct but I think it's a bit simplistic to say just like she's pro, like she's pro status quo because it benefits her it does benefit her, and yeah. that is a very straightforward thing, and it probably is partially mm. correct. But yeah, there's something else behind her vitriol mm. at Corbyn that, like, I don't know, sets me off, mm. like, makes me very suspicious. Mm. Um, all right, next on the uh, most underestimate Corbyn list, uh, Hillary Benn, <laughs> who was, to be honest, has been cowed this year. Yeah, he's been completely he's been pretty quiet. He's been completely knocked away. Um, he were, he led the coup against mm. Corbyn that led to the uh, leadership election in which then he 2016, got more even more. which uh, he got battered with completely. Um, and he definitely kind of came around to it. Maybe not in as... Which as shut up. Yeah. That's the thing, he just stopped talking. Um, but I think us. he takes... I think he takes second place to the obvious example of a, uh, a Labour MP mm. on this list, Stephen Kinnock. <laughs> and Stephen Kinnock's only on here because I don't think he I think he's like been like backstage politicking yeah. about it but it's never been that prominent in mm. trying to knock Corbyn over before the election well it's because he doesn't want to be seen to be wielding the knife because otherwise how will he become leader if he's covered in blood yeah That's... You, the the new leader always puts the assassins to death because you can't kill the king that yeah. kind of thing um but he's on this list mainly because of the summer that changed everything, That's that uh, BBC documentary. So good. That it seems that it's quite likely that he commissioned himself. Yeah. 
in in conjunction with some certain, BBC producers. I'm pretty That's the conspiracy he did. theory around I'm it. I'm pretty it? certain he did. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it felt like it. It really felt like it. Um, and it was so funny. It's just the funniest thing. And he's such an idiot. He's so wrong about everything. Like his dirtbag father. He's just a complete neutral blank as well oh, as yeah. a human being, oh, yeah, doesn't which doesn't it. help. Doesn't help the kind of um, like image of Labour right right wing politicians that we have, yeah. which is like slimy, unprincipled. They they are willing to do anything to be anything. And a complete to, unawareness to get of their power. actual constituency <clears throat> doing something like I don't know, driving around in a London red top bus, blaring <laughs> um, thingy. What was he? What um, was he blaring? It was. Um, Oh my god, it's Don't stop thinking about tomorrow From his phone into a megaphone to cow the people of shit, I've forgotten where he is. Um Pont no not Pony. He's Ronda, isn't he? No, he's not Ronda, he's um um Port Talbot. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, so doing it around Port Talbot. <laughs> and just That's where... what those um steel workers who are in a precarious state want to hear. <laughs> but yeah, he's um, a good, he, yeah. he was uh he was so out of touch when he when he came on as well because he's got like the he's got the kind of upper middle class uniform he's got mm. the north face hoodie mm. the north face like fleece mm. and like parts of that documentary he's like going he's going door to door in heavy rain not without wet. an umbrella and he's not wet mm. just wearing a fleece and he looks like he's never had any blood <laughs> ever in his body he there is something incredibly bloodless about a lot of these people well it, as well like the whole shapeshifter thing of like snakes in the grass and all mm. that that you call like the labour right he looks like he could be he could slough off his skin at any point and become mm. something else just sprout hair mm. or something I mean not to malign a fellow bald man but um, yeah I think he just the the kind of doom and gloom that he shows in that documentary and then for it so immediately to be wiped off his face like in real time oh, it's... was certainly the most satisfying eat the book moment yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, I think... It was amazing. And is he the final one on the list? Um, we have a couple more. Oh. We have a couple more. Okay. Uh, we've got Ian Dale. Um, he just gets it for this little, uh, li- this little anecdote. In London, it's very interesting. The Evening Standard have quoted... This was before the election, sorry. Um, The Evening Standard have quoted a poll today by Queen Mary University, which doesn't make very happy reading for the Labour Party, because it seems as though UKIP leader Paul Nuttall is actually more popular than Jeremy Corbyn in London. That was that was that was like like a really odd poll where they talked to... Ah, yes. They they talked to, like, five guys (laughs) uh, who were just coming out of a UKIP meeting. (laughs) Because I don't know who he was talking to. It's like... Maybe in Enfield. I know I know polling data is suspect, mm. but you usually expect it to reflect some kind of like deep truth. What deep truth were you expecting on either an anecdotal or yeah. a like class analysis level of the people you're talking to in London that think Paul Nuttall is better than Jeremy <laughs> Corbyn? Like better for you as an individual. Ian Dale is particularly stupid. He does that thing of the list of the most prominent leftists. Mm. It's a, it's a bad is list. Is it another just in case moment? <laughs> I think it might be like the list of prominent Jews in Hungary I think it might be although there's a lot of people on there who aren't even slightly on the left that are just his friends <laughs> that he likes um, next on the list this is a huge category but every broadsheet journalist that went to the country in inverted commas to talk to real people in more inverted commas not the peep that the people weren't real but the engineering that went round all their excursions and the novelty I'm sure when they were by which they to... took of visiting a place that wasn't fucking I'm London. sure when they were talking to you photos and by you photo I mean a kid like riding a bike up a hill in Yorkshire with a loaf of bread in it and asked him his opinion <laughs> about Jeremy Corbyn I'm sure that happened when they talk to the old man on that hill in Wales who <laughs> every morning gets out to go up to the old church, the chapel, <laughs> to ring the bells in honour of his dead wife. Oh God, so he's upsetting. <laughs> but yeah. Um, like, some, like some of the fucking like real people takes were amazing. There was the guy who interviewed, um, uh, he found a Corbyn voter in, I think it was Rochdale. And he said, yeah, I'm going to vote for Jeremy Corbyn. I think he's got some good ideas. And then tweeted like, oh, but then he scurried off into a Costa. As if that then disqualified him from real person status. Was amazing. That he had his 
place on the electoral roll just taken <laughs> t- taken away from him. <laughs> the um, the Guardian have got this uh, series called the Anywhere But Westminster series. Mm. They've been running it for a few years now. And as the election heated up, they they really um, they really went into it. They sent John Harris, uh, mop topped Britpop man, yeah, um, to go around the country and get the get the uh, get the temperature of the country. Weirdly enough, uh, he mostly seemed to go to Lancashire and which I believe is where he's from, um, Lancashire and uh, the southwest. Which, as he lives in Hay on Wye. It was actually not that bad a commute, which is near the Welsh border. <laughs> so not actually so that went, bad a commute. So he went commute. to see his parents. He went to see his parents, and then, and then he, he went slightly south of his house. <laughs> well, um, yes, they, <laughs> they put out a thing during the election. Where should we go in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland? Anywhere but Westminster would like to hear where you think John and John, there were two people, uh, should visit before the election. We've traversed the southwest of England and spent a lot of time in Lancashire. And that was it. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. And the only reason they went to those places beforehand hmm. was because it was where by-elections were being held. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's... it's like... Uh, it. There's a... Uh, uh, Jonathan Friedland was another one. He went to um, Derby. He said um, when they were interviewing... When they had a market research company interviewing people on the street, again, mm. in inverted commas, on the doorstep, mm. uh, about how they felt about Corbyn. Uh, he said, with no steer from the moderator, who remained studiedly neutral, they described Jeremy Corbyn as a dope, living in the past, a joke, as looking as if he knows less about it than I do. One woman admired Corbyn's sincerity. One man thought his intentions were good, but she reckoned he lacked the qualities to be our leader, and he believed Corbyn was simply too soft. And you heard that again and again and again yeah. in a way that I understand that the, like, the media machine in this country does reproduce certain attitudes. Yeah. And people who frankly can't be asked to like really engage mm. with political culture and like things like that would probably take those received opinions. Definitely. And I have no doubt that they were were and are widespread. But the way that ostensibly liberal publications all repeated this same line mm. and as if they were like I've taking heard, a hit off the truth pipe. Yeah, I've heard them being. I've heard those term, those words being parroted back at me by mm. in-laws. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, it was it was just weird and kind of culminated in um, James Bloodworth's famous authentic tweet that we mentioned last episode about the fire in the belly. Yeah, where he met a man made of and just a normal just a normal Welsh man made of coal. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Made of coal. He was in a colliery. Who spoke, who spoke in terms of like you've got to have the fire in, the, in your belly. Didn't, nothing, you didn't notice the thing. He's got he to have a silver it. tongue. He sang his <laughs> whole fantastic thing. Fantastic close harmony singing. Yeah, he sang the Brawny. entire all of his responses. He sang <laughs> like it's really disgusting. Searching for the mythical truth, peasant. Yes, it's yes. really fucking gross. Yeah. It's like when they constantly go back to that um, that woman on the doorstep who's like. Oh no, not another election! And they constantly they wheel that one out on LBC all the yeah. time because they're all old men on LBC. Fucking, <laughs> so fucking much. Um, I need to start listening to something else. But what else am I going to listen to on the radio? Some I'm not listen to Radio Four because that's almost killed oh, you. That's fucking killing me. And I've seen a few people on Twitter start like complaining about uh, Radio Four. They recommended Radio Three, but I think that's. Well, at the moment I get up with a puppy, so I watch Good Morning Britain and watch Piers Morgan own himself every single morning. It's delicious. It's a good a good start to the day. Yeah, Tell so, me what that's like. Oh, it's so good. Um, Piers Morgan today pretending that he turned down an interview with Prince Harry because he doesn't like the royal family, unlike, um, oh, I've forgotten the name of the woman he's with, Susanna Reid. Um, so like, unlike her, who's like super into the royal family, and she's just staring at him, and like, and the, she like, says, why are you trying to pick a fight? Yes, yeah, we're they, on the same couch on they, a non-confrontational breakfast program. And they all laugh at the notion of Piers Morgan turning down this interview, and then it goes <laughs> yeah. dead silent for about like five seconds, which feels like an hour, <laughs> while he sits there lying and just going, hmm, "I'm Piers Morgan. Oh. I hacked a dead girl's phone." <laughs> Yeah, that's what I do in the morning now, while being bitten by a dog. <laughs> um, that's the end of the list, but I did want to put a special me- mention in for Matthew Dancona, who I came across during mm. my like research for this award, mm. who is still saying the same thing, that Jeremy Corbyn can't possibly win a general election. Good, good. And it's like, I mean, you don't Which even is... think there's a little... Like, I understand, like, it You know, yeah. it might be difficult just to increase ahead. it anymore. Just get but ahead now. <laughs> I, you still, you still have a complete doubt in the... 
I think he may not win ever. Maybe he doesn't win the mm. next election ever. That's a, always a possibility. But to deny even the possibility of him mm. doing it shows some real underestimation of Corbyn. Well, I think the winner is every broadsheet. Every, I every think hack. It, I think it has to be that because like the new the new statesman was a very focused attack. Yeah. Tony Blair, it was very precision, but who the fuck listens to Tony yeah. Blair? Like the new statesman. Who, also, I, I, again, I don't think he underestimated him. Yeah. Um, J.K. Rowling, I, I think she came from nowhere and she mm. comes back to nowhere politically because like she's just she's so off the deep end that I don't mm. I don't know how where it comes from, so yeah. I can't really judge whether she underestimates him or just hates who he is, which is different, I think. Mm. Um, Stephen Kinnock. <laughs> Yeah, I think it is the same one. Yeah, I yeah. think it's that last category. Everybody, every broadsheet journalist who talks to real people. All of them. All of them, which is basically the entire media. Yeah. Stop <laughs> looking for a single person who can do your job for you, who That's is so the source. That's so lazy. You're not commenting on a particular story or a particular company or issue. Mm. You're talking about the whole fucking political system as it exists. There's no one person with the truth. There's no like authentic voice of Britain. And if we had one, we'd be in a much worse state because we'd have a fascist fucking country. I love the idea that if I just got this image of them finding this mythical man, and it would be a man, yeah. and he's like just coming out of a traditional greasy spoon. Um, his, fate, his top comedy moment is mm. Del Boy falling through the bar, all this kind of stuff. And they just make him king. <laughs> I just think and we got, see what happened in America when they did that. They've got a load of authentocrat like Geiger counters. And they go, <laughs> my God. This is four parts authenticity per million. We've never seen levels this high. This man's never been in a room with frothy milk. (laughs) He's the one. His blood is made of real ale. (laughs) He's so warm. He loves Oasis. (laughs) Yeah, the whole thing is a contradiction in terms. It's fucking ridiculous. Next award. All right, next award is... Now, we couldn't work out on a name for this, I think. So here's the name that I had. The Morrissey Award for Inexplicable Downward Spiral. And I refuse to accept that it was you inexplicable. Refused, you refuse to accept Because Morrissey has always been a piece of shit and he's been he getting has. worse. He has. But I think it's the inexplicable bit. There's no... I mean, other than Morrissey, the fact that Morrissey is a shitty person, <laughs> right? And a racist. Yeah. There's no reason why he needs to be like that. Nigel Farage, you can say that if he's a shitty person, it's because he benefits politically... In some way. Oh, Morrissey will be running for head of the UK, leader of UK. Morrissey doesn't even so fucking live here. No, he lives in Italy. He lives in America. He Does lives he? in fucking LA. Does he? Yeah. Um, he has. He literally everything about all of his music over the past like twenty years is how he wants nothing to do with the UK. Mm. And good on him. Good mm. luck to him. Why the need to keep coming back and saying progressively worse and worse <laughs> things? Yeah. Because they have gotten worse and worse. You can't oh, yeah. deny that it's spiraled oh, in the last um, year or so. Or in the last UKIP election where it turned out that he was to the right of the U- of UKIP members. Mm. Oh, God bless him. Um, yeah, so that we can't... Th- but we couldn't think of another downward spiral that didn't involve, you know, getting really personal on some very horrible, like, personal, like, life stories. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> these are things that these people did to themselves. Yes. Um, so, first entry, Theresa May. Yeah. Oh. Fucking lock, mate. Yeah. Winner. Beginning of this year, she was in such a strong position. Maybe not in Parliament. Front covers of the mailed, like, Front covers, the all the touch. She was being talked to in terms that would have made Mussolini blush. Yeah. And she was talking about war. She was fucking willy-nilly. war with Spain. Willy-nilly talking about war with Spain. Yeah. Like, she felt that confident in mm. her power, her overarching power and authority. She felt so good. She was cruising towards like she fox had all the back, paper, kill all the, the fox Spanish. hunting ban. Yeah, she had every mad right wing um, reinstating the, um, uh, the taking away the ban on ivory trading. Yeah, she was fine with doing that. Something that is grotesquely unpopular, mm. massively unpopular with everybody. Yeah, there's a hardcore like peop- a load of people around hunting that that group is even fucking smaller for ivory trading. Yeah. She well, yeah. felt that confident that she could just do all this horrendous shit. Mm. And then one afternoon in June, or May, <laughs> whatever it was, she decided, let's make this official. She got down on one knee in front of the Queen 
<laughs> and asked her to put the crown on Theresa May. Mm. And it's totally fucked up. Yeah. It has totally gone wrong. Overnight. The level of arrogance. Like, she genuinely thought that the more people saw her, the more they'd actually like her. Well, early on, early on in the um, election, she didn't. What well, no, she hid? She didn't was she? she was hiding, and she thought um, she thought she could put out the same manifesto, mm. basically the same manifesto that a lot of Tory governments have had for the last like since two thousand and ten, probably mm. before then. Mm. Um, and you can do all the hard shit backstage, mm. and it's totally backfired. Mm. Like there are so many complications that have come up from her fucking herself over yeah. with the general election yeah. that she didn't need to call. No. She had four fucking years yeah. left yeah. that she could have done that with. And she just she can't get she's getting like Brexit stuff refused. Hmm. Even though Labour are kind of like trying to split the difference at the hmm. moment with how they are on Brexit, like tactically. Hmm. Um she can't go to a place without getting rinsed. No. She's having, like, even the tabloids are calling her like she's the new major, the yeah. new John Major. She's gone from probably, like, what all Tories dream of being, which is the all-conquering Churchill, mm. to John Major mm. in, like, a month. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous and, and breathtaking to it was watch. all her own fault. And it was entirely due to her errors. Yeah. Like, in everything. It was fucking amazing. Who next? Uh, Nigel Farage. Hmm. Who actually? We've got another. Get everything that he wanted. He won. He won the referendum. But like Trump, he didn't really want to win. And the following day, when he was on, and he looked so. I mean, this was last year, but mm. I think this carries on into this year. He's continuing downward spiral. Mm. Um, even the day after the referendum, he was so apologetic and so like cowed mm. by that three hundred fifty million pound a day to the EU. Also, he thing. had. He'd conceded already. <laughs> He'd had a long night as well because he always spends election night getting fucking hammered. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he said he's had a bit of a weird one. Like, um, who is it? he went to speak for fascists in Germany? Yeah, paedophile in America. Um, AFD yeah. in Germany. Uh, yeah. He went to speak for Trump in America, and, a, and then a paedophile, and then a, and Roy Moore, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's still not that hasn't blown back on him here. Yeah, because it has called... because he's an irrelevance uh, as opposed so he's to still got his show on LBC. As a, yeah, but as opposed to people talking about him as like at the beginning of the year, I think people were still thought of him as like a powerful he was, political. He figure. was still somewhat in charge of UKIP, and mm. UKIP had what they considered to have, even though they they had a they had a bad election, mm. and they still had like the power to determine mm. where the country's head. And all the fucking idiots when he kind of stepped aside and had Paul Nuttall. Mm. Um, step in charge everyone was like oh Jeremy Corbyn needs to watch out but maybe it should actually it shouldn't be Nigel Farage it should be Paul Nuttall maybe, or maybe it's both Paul of them Paul Nuttall didn't do anything though did he but, but do you remember all the stuff about him before the election it's like oh, yeah, oh gonna destroy they life. need to be very careful because he speaks northern yeah that, That's, was, like, that was it yeah that was, like that was the it. kind of journalist like was it Sebastian Payne yeah people like that um and they are nowhere. They are an afterthought. They are far less powerful than they were at the beginning of yeah. the year. Yeah. Who next? Um, next, speaking of people who are less powerful this year, Tim Farron. <laughs> Tim Farron, who... Oh my... How is he in the Liberal Democrats? Because he is... The thing is, Tim Farron is got that Christian... Not, I do not want to say Christian socialism. Christian progressivism on economic issues that makes him to the left of Nick Clegg and Vince Cable. Yes, it does. Um, um, but significantly but to the right on social issues. Significantly to the right on social issues, which is all the only fucking thing that Lib Dems care about. Yeah, it's it's genuinely insane. Like, I think we were talking about before, like, I think the Lib Dems, prop, there would have been people who voted for Jeremy Corbyn in places like Norfolk and the Southwest. Yeah. Um, that would have prefer to have voted Lib Dem. Like old liberal hippie bastions. Yeah. yeah. Like um, they would have preferred to vote um, Lib Dem, but they couldn't because he's a homophobe. Yeah. And he can pretend it's, and for all these other reasons. He can pretend reasons, like he's like a conscientious person and or like, whatever. love the sinner, hate and, the sin type bullshit, but he he's can, a fucking homophobe. He can, he can cover it any way he wants. Mm. If you're just looking at it on a raw, like, tactical, strategic level, 
they're not going to vote for a fundamentalist Christian. And do you know what? Lib Dems especially, because yeah. they are know, the probably women, the more atheist ones. Liberal women, in general, don't vote for people who don't like abortion, who don't who want to take away abortion rights. Yeah. If, I, if there is one consistent thing that Lib Dems probably have, it's those very, very liberal social attitudes. Mm. Um, and he has gone from... It's hard to call it a downward spiral, really. I think there was like a hope among Remainers, Remainers that, that he would be so well. that he was going to be like it was going to be Nick Clegg before 2010 again yeah. that he was going to be like you've got to remember in 2010 the, the Lib Dems vote went down yes yeah <laughs> yeah even after all their fucking promises um, but there was going to be a moment where he was a zeitgeisty figure and Tim Farron is not a zeitgeisty figure he's a zeitgeisty figure for the 15th century but <laughs> yeah um and he was so easily mockable as well, this uncomfortable, shifty man. And then straight after the election, he's gone super... Saying, like, um, you're, um, the British people are fine with your religion if it involves funny costumes. Oh, for fuck's sake. Really? Yeah, he did that shit. Because, you know, it's too hard to be a Christian. It's really hard to be a it's Christian. It's almost impossible to be a Christian in it's Britain. That's what I really hate about being a Christian in Britain. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, also, yeah, like, um, unwarranted, like, victim complex about being oh, a gotcha. Christian among liberal voters who, I'm well, going to guess, are probably mostly atheists. Yeah, it's that thing of, oh, no, they just hate me because of my Christian values. It's like, no, no, they hate you specifically for a couple of your Christian values of yeah. hating gays. I imagine there's more Dawkins atheists in the Lib Dems than there are in, say, Oh, Labour. definitely. There's, there's probably an awful lot of people who, the super smart... Um, the super mug site, like I fucking love sciencey people. Dead as loads. Super of. smug, arrogant, like. Hmm. I hesitate to use the word secular humanist, but it's really gone down Rick. since since I have been. Ricks. Yeah, yeah Ricks. Self appointed yeah. Ricks. Yeah. Um, but they're not like Rick. Yeah. Um, um, they just read the Constitution. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's yeah. him. Him, um, Boris. Boris. 2017 Boris is a chastened husk. Of who yeah. he used to be. Yeah, he by was the end of the year, everywhere um, before that. Now all of his power is pretty much only in the like the Conservative Party. I don't think he has any sway with anyone. He has gone, other than old Tories. He, I mean, his thing was start. His shtick was starting to wane at the mm. beginning of 2017 because people had gotten sick of the ha ha what a clown. Yeah, and gotten into this is embarrassing. What mm. a fucking clown. And but at least at the beginning of the year, there was this sense that he was a leader in waiting, mm. that he still had enough kind of popularity. And now the only reason he's hanging on to his position is because if she sacks him, she probably triggers a huge crisis in the Tory party, just because he's significant and she she really can't move him. Mm. And she's we we're talking just as she's had a reshuffle and he's staying in the same place. Oh yeah, well that reshuffle we'll talk about it probably next week. Yeah, I think. Well, that reshuffle is fucking hilarious with just like. I, I want to get rid. It's like try and get rid of Hunt. He walks into a room ready to be fired and comes out with a promotion. It's like, yeah. and the thing is, I'd say that like Jeremy Hunt's like Robert California in the office, but it seems that everyone can be Robert California to Theresa May because I think she's really, really thick, and so she's really <laughs> easy to like bamboozle. But yeah, who else? Is there anyone else on this list? Mm-hmm. Who else is on this list? We've of... got three more things on this list. Brilliant. Right. Pro Europe liberals. Oh God, Remainers. Yeah, this is the one that I wanted to put. I in think the same, this is I wanted, the... I, there was. I wanted to put two of them in the same group, didn't I? Yeah, um, we've got pro Europe liberals and Eurosceptics. I think they deserve to be separate categories. Mate. I think they deserve to be in the same one because they're both as obnoxious as Se- parties. Separate. Yeah, they are. They are, <laughs> but they're obnoxious in different ways, and they've had different years. Yeah, they have. Um, we'll talk about the Eurosceptics first, actually, because yeah. in a similar way to Farage, they've got everything they wanted, and they have never been less less powerful. Yeah. They were always a significant, like, um, I want to say third rail. Mm. They were kind of a third rail within the Tory party, but within mm. British society generally. Mm. For the last 40 years, there have been, you had you knew someone in your life or in society generally in the yeah. local area who was the Eurosceptic guy, who would bore yeah. you at parties and go, excuse me, on and on and on about how the EU was an oppressive, you know, Stalinist state or fascist state. The Germans were going to come and make you eat sauerkraut and all that kind of stuff. All the while drinking London Pride or Bombardier. Or yeah. Bombardier. And they never really got into the kind of like mainstream culture. No. I don't think, but they were always there. Yeah. And they have. In the last like they have, five, ten years. They, they fizzled really out completely. Yeah. Like 
they have nothing left because they've gotten they've gotten ultimately what they want and anything more that they ask for the difference between hard brexit and no deal and all mm. that kind of stuff is ultimately academic because people feel like it's now been taken out of their hands yeah. so they do not have the power to action things mm. because the government has taken like Eurosce- essentially taken euroscepticism in house mm. and now has to action it so the people who aren't in parliament who are eurosceptics like the farages and that mm. they don't have any other any media no. power. They they were a mainstay on every political talk show. Every yeah. like paper had their specific Eurosceptic columnist who would come up every week, and they're still there, but they are nowhere near as no. prominent. No, they're gone. They have had they have they have been dissolved mm. as a as a like political like cultural force. Yeah, and in their place comes the pro the Remainer liberals, the the really hardcore, the hardcore forty eight percenters who have had a sterling year. When they first came into the year, I think their downward spiral has been much more like marked, right? Mm. Because they came into the year, they thought they could found parties. Mm. They thought that this was a new dawn. They thought that this is the one issue. Golden dawn. We have a we have a yeah a beautiful golden dawn scrawled all over the side of a synagogue. <laughs> um, they thought that they would be able to set the agenda because mm. they had a what liberals very very rarely have and only get in times of people like. George Bush mm. and Trump and occasionally like a Thatcher mm. kind of person, although liberals probably kind of, mm. they are coming out as like, I respected Margaret Thatcher this yeah. week. There have been a load of articles about that. They started off as being able to do anything and the way that they have descended down and become mono-focused and ex- ex- like so mad at yeah, everything like they are it's every twitter response of but what about brexit yeah they are you can't do anything i'm sorry you can't do anything else you can't discuss anything else other than brexit this is the most important thing this is the only thing we should be talking about why aren't you talking about it jeremy corbyn why aren't you stopping brexit and he's like i'm in opposition mm, I but, can't. no i don't care just stop it just yeah. stop it now just stop it and like the monomaniacal focus they've become the new below the line nazi mm. in the comments section mm. of anything mm. Like, it's crazy how that has happened. Yeah. Um, they have all lost their minds. They've all been infested with mindworms. Yes. So the retconning of the EU is just oh, yeah, hard to deal it's, as with. As we were talking about with J.K. Rowling, I think they like the... It's the idea because it protects a certain kind of liberal middle class commentator from having to think about their own country because they can say that we're part of a federation. In the same way that Eurosceptics would constantly say... Well, no, we, they'd use the EU as a whip it their stick yeah. to say like, oh, well, it's not my fault that this, you know, this is happening. It's not yeah. capitalism's fault. It's the they, EU, the dastardly they've EU undergone, SSSR. They've undergone a tremendous wound, a tremendous trauma. Mm. Also, yeah, it's that thing they've never terms. lost before. And they, lost. There is that as well, yes. Because it doesn't important. matter which party was in. It was always they're always kind of going to be okay because their, if the Tories their go, position in society was always looked after. Yeah, ish, um, or at least lip <clears> service was paid to it. Um, whereas this is a full-on, we want this thing, and when, then they were told, you can't have this thing. Yeah, this will specifically affect you because mm. you are the people who buy like European food. I mean, everybody does, really. Yeah. But they are the people who make a cultural identity mm. out of consuming those things, and mm. we live in a consumer mm. consumerist society. So their, their identity has been much more affected mm. by that, and they've, gone, they've undergone a a massive trauma and mm. they have not known how to deal with it socialists un- have undergone traumas for I've never won. for decades as as a as a like ever since i've been left wing i've never felt like i've won mm. in any way it's that um you oh, just the, do a little bit of the pro EU people like james o'brien does this that he's politically homeless mm. and mm. this and it's nothing of i've never had a political home yeah it's not that hard to fucking deal with you piece of shit and you know with all your mo- moaning about brexit what about actual homelessness yeah yeah, Jeremy and, Corbyn will do something about homelessness more more than the EU was ever going to fucking do. It's it's mar- it's especially like markets as well because they're Jeremy Corbyn. A lot of the like criticisms of Corbyn's universal benefits mm. and the universal benefits he would come out as is well. Of course, with Brexit, you can't do anything because you'll have to cut austerity. Yeah, oh, and it's like, love that. can love you not examine yourself for a second and think that why will leaving Brexit require more austerity? Mm. Because you're in an unfair capitalist system that requires that. Why do you need to cut austerity? To please the um, global finance system, mm. which admittedly with Brexit you will probably be even more subject to. Mm. Like that's why Brexit itself is not as much of an all-consuming issue. As much as it is super important and does mm. affect everything, it's not 
there are other important things that are affected by mm. this that you need to think your way around. Mm. This isn't just the, the silver bullet. Anyway. Who else on that list? Um, the other one was the... I, the say the, I say the joke one. It might actually be... It is the last one, yeah. The most uh, significant one. Where is it? Um, the divide between Northern Ireland and the Republic. <laughs> that has undergone a tanking now. <laughs> you told me, like, two years ago, by the way, there's a significant, like, 40-plus percent chance yeah. that in a few years, Ireland will be unified as one island. island yeah. Politically. Uh, but it's seriously being talked about. And that's mad. It'd <laughs> oh, be so good. Yeah. It'd be so funny. Oh, I'd be the best thing. It'd be like the fight, the, oh, the the crown jewel in May's horrible shit crown that she'd end up having at and the end of her term. Like, you know, the terrain of like Eurosceptics has always been really, really unionist mm. as regards oh, Scotland gotcha. and Wales goes, and yeah. especially Ireland. And to have this as a result of the thing that they wanted mm. is just. Mwah. Yeah, it's so delicious. Beautiful. So who do you reckon wins? Because I um, reckon pro-EU I reckon pro-EU Liberals. No one else. I mean, it, it's a, a close runner-up with Theresa May. Yeah. But, but if you're talking lost, about... They've just, they've, their, their minds are full of holes from all the brainworms that they've been ingesting. Yeah. For, from them be, being the kind of like self-appointed, sensible, rational mm. people. And still holding on to that title. Oh, and yeah. For them, sensible and rational meant not shouting. Yeah. Um... For them to have become the like rabid pit of dogs mm. that they are at the moment is so good. Is incredible. Would not have predicted that would have happened. No, would no. not have predicted it. Yeah. I did not think they were going to lose their minds. Yeah. Okay, so what's our final award? So our final award is the football in the groin funniest moment. Brilliant. Football in the groin. Because the football in the groin is always the funniest moment. <laughs> so we have um, the Tories' manifesto uh, launch with special notice given to the social care. Oh yeah. <laughs> so paying for your own social care. Yeah, that, like, was, that was pretty great. Watching everybody like process that and seeing like BBC journalists try to like justify it and say, actually, well, you you uh, you may have to sell your house, but I think actually it's a much fairer way it's of. And it's like, no, are you no fucking fun. kidding me? They literally took took aim at their most consistent constituency, which is pensioners and old people. Yep. If there's one thing you can. Not be assured of in this world it's piss off the police yeah. and piss off old people yeah. and they managed to do fucking both yeah that's all Theresa May and that was all her yeah she pissed off the police for like how long has she home secretary since 2010 mm. she spent that virtually that entire time pissing off the fucking police yeah and like for her to then cap it off mm. with bit again kind of merging to the last category of being so overconfident that she feels that she can solve the social hair cr- social hair social <laughs> hair um we all share the hair, the state hair. Um, thinking she can solve the social care crisis by essentially going, no, you pay for it yourselves. Yeah. And sell your houses. in the th- When the Thatcher project was all about making people own their own homes and becoming like a homeowner's democracy. So for her to like hilarious. pull the rug out like that was incredible to watch. It yeah. was so fucking funny. Um, we can probably combine this into two, um, into one category. The hospital parking backlash and the free school lunches backlash. Oh. Both of which were fucking hilarious to watch in real time. Watching the main people who coming out against these things being supposed liberals. Yeah. Like, well, no, no. Only rich people would benefit from being able to park at a hospital. Actual health and education, like charity NGOs and campaigners, individuals within those yeah. groups, coming out and saying, no, you can't possibly... We need, like, their entire careers are based mm. around lobbying government for more money to be put into health and education. And Jeremy Corbyn comes out and says, I'm going to specifically put money into health and education in these areas. And for them to go, actually, that's the most monstrous thing you can do. Yep. Was so funny. Like, um, Laura McInerney, um, I think she's education correspondent mm. for The Independent. Mm. I might be wrong there. Um, there's one billion pounds in a room. Corbyn will spend it on families earning 16k plus. I will spend it on families earning less. Which one is the Tory? It's like, well, you. Yeah. You're propping up a hierarchical system. <laughs> like, I, like, watching them trying to scramble for any possible answer that didn't mean, that wasn't the most simple and effective yeah. answer. Yeah. Things that they want. Things that I am pretty sure they fucking lobbied for in the past. Mm. But just because it was Corbyn who was presenting yeah, it. Yeah, they have a real problem with it. Yeah, and like the... Um, I think it's the, like, oh, the school meals thing really pissed me off. Because like we talked about it before. If you make it universal, you take away all the stigma. Yeah. And like, there's countries that have um, 
free school meals. Mm. Like Japan. Yes. That's not a Marxist <laughs> bastion. Fin- I mean, Finland, which is the, weirdly enough, is the country that Michael Gove always compares, Indeed. like says he wants to be more like Finland. Except he doesn't want to actually do anything that Finland do. High suicide rates in Finland. <laughs> True. It's That's, dark a lot. It's dark, you know. Maybe Michael Gove just wants to block the sun out. <laughs> Those people live in night, what are you going to do? <laughs> okay, well, what next? Um, <laughs> May's speech at the Conservative mm. Conference. Now that yeah. includes the letters falling off, the coughing fit, the Frida Kahlo jewellery. Yeah, the P45. The uh, That guy, that comedian handing the P45 to her. Um, Philip Hammond handing her the cough suite. The audience clapping, like in rhythm, <laughs> that went from a kind of... The commentator's trying to spin it off as like a kind of solidarity moment. Yeah. Whereas actually that had to be half mocking. Yeah. And I, I think was... the letters falling off and the what was it it was a, a Britain that works wasn't it yeah and the letters falling off was you you couldn't have written that you could no. it would have been hacky so if you had done a political comedy with that in it yeah yeah it would have been All like carry on and delicious. shit it was so funny it was the funny I think I think that has to win it yeah. like well um, really. everything else we have Corbyn high-fiving a tit that was pretty funny. Uh, Laura, uh, Emily Thornberry. Yeah, that was That was funny. very funny. After and it was his just, face. It yeah. was this weird, stupid, like, uh-oh, spaghetti yeah. <laughs> Uh We had lump, blah, Labour, the summer that changed everything. That was That was hilarious. a very funny moment. That was, that was, that was that whole thing was just endlessly funny. Like, uh, you got to see kind of Labour MPs inside, which is actually a pretty good look. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you don't get to see them change that much over time and how they form their opinions mm. which is was really nice uh, Tory Glastonbury oh yeah the thing that either it didn't happen or it did happen entirely it, it did happen I think it was only meant to be a very small scale event so yeah. I, it was kind of overblown but just the idea of Tory Glastonbury right right after Jeremy Corbyn had like done stuff at Glastonbury yeah. was just hilarious they thought it would like wipe his achievement off the face yeah off the front page, off the front pages. It's yeah, amazing. it's never going to happen. Um, Macron offering to return the skulls of Algerian fighters taken to France as trophies in the 19th century. Yeah, that was pretty funny. In front of Algerians. Yeah, that was, uh, like so Macron's entire Africa tour was pretty hilarious. Actually, yeah, him. This should probably be just his African tour, like him <laughs> telling the the uh, the insulting the president Burkina Faso in front of his face, the president leaving and saying he's going to fix the air conditioning, <laughs> <laughs> betrays a level of colonial racism I would not have thought he would have made public. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Which he was amazing. smart enough to keep it secret. Yeah. Just cloak it in sugary language. <laughs> um, Nick Clegg's face at the general election. That was pretty when funny. He lost his when seat. he lost his seat to Jared O'Mara. Um, his face was incredible. It's always nice to see a real shitbag like, take a loss like that. Yeah, it's what And I the... think they always take a... They will always end up taking a loss like that yeah. most of the time. But not always... You don't always get the camera, like trained on their face as they're you their don't always get such troubles. a such a skilled and theatrical camera dramatic camera <laughs> operator as you've got as he loses Sheffield to a Hall. man who didn't even own a suit <laughs> so he had to go out and quickly buy one mm. <laughs> um we have Jolion launches spring the party which i i think was really really funny that was endlessly funny that um, was like was it stage one it was uh so he posted something on twitter and set up a page um saying how does the story unfold? Step one, Jolion announces to the maiden-headed advertiser that he's standing. It filters out to the national press. The website goes up with a short biog, a teaser, a register button, and a donate button. Step two, we announce the festival and some acts. Step three, we begin to release policies. It's... And nothing ever came of it. No, and nothing at all. It's it's so like, again, you get that insight into the way he thinks. Mm. And people like that think things are done. The music festival is more important than any policies. <laughs> But like, and you can get people to donate before you have a policy. But also, the idea it announces it to the maidenhead ad- advertiser. It filters out to the national press. Oh, it filters out. Oh, in that case, you just put it onto the news, the news river. Yeah. Put it in a little <laughs> news coracle, and it just floats out to sea, where everyone will naturally see it. Yeah. Um, it was very funny. Um, kind of similarly, uh, the last entry: the guy who found founded the radical centrists and resigned twelve hours later. Oh, that was pretty great. He set up because like he couldn't an, handle the pressure he set of up an, being shouted out on Twitter. Basically, an email list. No, yeah. it wasn't even the pressure of thing. He realised he had nothing, <laughs> and that, if anything, is like such a teachable moment for mm. this year. That if you don't have that like theory behind you, if you don't care, if if ultimately all you care about is positioning mm. and aesthetics and 
having a particular cultural cachet, it's not enough. No. Which is kind of what mm. Corbyn's victory is edging towards. Yeah. I think in a good way. Yeah. With Hopefully the that's the main thing that he's managed to do. He has managed to dispel the illusion that it's about, we need the same person, but mm. what happened last time was we didn't get him with the right colour glasses. Mm. Last time we had one who liked. Last time we had one who liked Oasis. This time we need one who likes Blur. Yes, we've tried the Smiths. Mm. We've tried Oasis, uh, and we just need to, we just need to get the right cultural cachet that hits everybody but doesn't alienate too many people. Mm. And that's like the the big moment of, of this year. So who like, do you reckon? Oh, it has to be Conservative Party conference. It does. It was so May great. sweeping these awards. It was so this great. Year, it was like an May. hour long of. Well, no, she she was nominated a lot. She was nominated a lot, including the, the worst leftist. Yeah. Is, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, she definitely deserves it for that hour-long train wreck. You couldn't have like you couldn't have written it if you had if they had put that into the thick of it. It would have been rejected. It would have been shit. It would yeah. have come across as shit. Yeah. But it actually happened in in like live as well in mm. real time. I was listening to it on the radio and I had to turn on the TV because yeah. I was like, I can't believe this is actually happening. Mm. This is so good. Mm. And um, I think it was like Dawn Foster would say, like, this makes up for the um, for the Tory hitting on me in the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you expect one thing to happen, but you don't expect everything to happen. Yeah, like, literally a, everything It kept happened, your yeah. attention because there was a new thing happening every minute in one of the most important speeches of her life mm. because she'd just come across off that huge loss. Mm. And I mean, I know she's still Prime Minister and technically Jeremy Corbyn didn't win, but this was about, like, it wasn't an election about mm. the Tory party. It was an hour-long... Just it was you couldn't take your eyes off it, and it just built and built and built. It was the Omega Rocada of the election. <laughs> yeah, six star. I mean, six stars for that. Definitely, one hundred percent. Definitely, definitely like, the greatest political speech I've ever seen. It is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's uh, yeah. Theresa May wins that. So if we go back down the uh, the winners, uh, the I'm from Buenos Aires and I say kill them all award for genocide for genocide was won by uh, economic murder of one hundred twenty thousand people. I sure can't. I found it really difficult. Like I shouldn't really laugh at that because that's no, fucking horrible. No, but it's the obvious winner. Yeah, it's it is hilariously horrible and obvious. That yeah, wins that blackly category. comic. Um, the George Orwell Prize for worst leftist was won by Jess Phillips. Yep, for terrible solidarity and general careerism. The Soviet Yugoslavia for dumbest hack was won by uh, James Bloodworth. For just for, being a monster. For being a both a, both a monster, Gusano. a liar, and disingenuous all at the same time. Mm. The Eat the Book Award for Most Wrong About Corbyn goes to every hack who <laughs> went to uh, the countryside to uh, to speak to a real to person. Speak to a real person. Um, the Morrissey Award for Inexplicable Downward Spiral um, goes to pro-Europe liberals, Remainers. Yes. And the football in the growing funniest moment goes to May's speech at Conservative Conference. May's six-star speech. Her six and a half... I say six and a quarter star. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, so that's it for us this week. That's us. Yeah, um, that was a super long en- one. Yeah, I hope you enjoy our massive long two-bar. <laughs> yeah, it's to make um, up. It's to make up for the fact we'll just take longer and longer like well, breaks, we, yeah, we and we'll do break. longer and longer episodes <laughs> until we'll just be away for a year and then release like a fifty-two-hour one. Hell yeah! <laughs> okay, so yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Um, you can follow us, uh, you can subscribe to us, sorry, on iTunes. Mm. You can follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamo and Hugh at Tanner Smashing. Uh, yeah, that's it for us this week. Cool. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Fighting am the least about the fighting game when Mr. Hoover said to cut my